Our New Testament reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. This can be found on page 1694 and 1695 in the Pew Bible. And hopefully it can also be found on my computer. (laughs) One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God our rock, and our redeemer. Sometimes you're Peter. It's annoying when you're just trying to hurry up and get somewhere important and people keep bugging you for things. You pick up your keys to leave and the phone rings. You are on your way to church and you get stopped by someone asking for help. Peter would have been well within his earthly rights to walk past the lame beggar man in the street. Peter wouldn't have been alone if he'd kept walking past the man and right into the temple to pray. After all, his pockets were empty. Peter would have been well within his earthly rights to keep on walking past the man, but Peter had spent several years with Jesus, who never walked past people on the edges The people everyone else just hurried past. Peter had just been filled by the Holy Spirit. Following the leading of the Holy Spirit is not an exact science. There are many ways we can see or hear the Holy Spirit moving in the world around us and pointing us to when we must embrace these distractions, setting aside our own agenda for God's work, Even when our own work is that of going to the temple to pray, it's a good work. This is a case of something I like to refer to as the Holy Spirit zoom lens. That's neither an official theological term nor something you will find named such in scripture, but it's what we see happening to Peter here. Everyone else keeps walking past this lame beggar 
hoping to be taken pity on by the devout religious people heading to prayer at the temple. But for some reason, Peter stops. He sees the man. He and John look intently at him in a way that nobody else walking past him does. He can't walk past him. Peter sees him differently, and he cannot walk past him. He cannot not see him. This man whom nobody else would even look at as they walked past. He stops. He listens to the Holy Spirit, and he gives this man a reason to celebrate. Sometimes that's our role, helping to give someone a reason to celebrate. And sometimes you're John. John says nothing in this passage. John does nothing in this passage. And often he's completely forgotten as being a part of this story. John seems like a bit of a side note in this narrative. Peter does all the talking and the healing. John just happened to be headed to church with him that afternoon. So why does Luke mention several times that John was there if he was just some sort of background or scenery set up? There's not a lot of elaborate scene set up or storytelling happening here. Just, and John was there too. Luke is a very deliberate writer, though. He doesn't put things in that don't matter in some way. So it's important to think about John's role in this story. In Hebrew culture at that time, anything that was to be taken officially in court or seriously in life at all, really, had to have a second witness in order to be considered as concrete or true. Any story had to be corroborated by a second outside person who wasn't directly involved. In this passage, John is called to the very holy and important mission of witness. His role is simple but important. John sees what happens and testifies to it to others around. Peter is called to give the lame man reason to celebrate, while John is called to point out to others this very real and important cause for celebration. And sometimes, sometimes you're the lame man. Joy does not mean freedom from difficulty. In fact, the deepest joy and the most profound celebration comes in spite of or through sorrow and pain. Jesus did not say that he came to give us charmed life or wealthy life or even painless life. Jesus came to give us abundant life. This lame beggar's joy, his celebration, was made a thousand times sweeter and more exuberant because of the sorrow and trouble he walked through before. So we look around to find the miracles in the world around us, and we celebrate those. Tim's cousin Colleen grew up in the D.C. area, but not too long after she had her son, she moved to Pittsburgh to be near the Pittsburgh part of the family. Her son is just a couple months younger than Gloria, and he and Gloria have always gotten along very well. 
So Colleen and I found ourselves spending a lot of time together after she moved to Pittsburgh, and we got very close. It wasn't uncommon for people to ask if we were sisters or to assume that we were, and we usually didn't bother correcting them. And then Colleen met a guy who gave me the screaming heebie-jeebies. From the second I laid eyes on him, I knew he was bad news. But I felt like every time I said so, I was speaking another language. The phone calls and text messages from her got fewer and farther between. And I really missed her. Her son and Gloria were at the same school, so I would often pick them up and bring them back to our house together. And the only texts and calls I seemed to get were the ones asking if Brayden could just stay overnight at our house again. One night would turn into two, and then into a week, sometimes more. We started to suspect that there were some serious drug issues of some sort involved. There are only so many times someone can ask you for five or ten dollars in gas money before you start to catch on that they aren't spending it on gas. There was one night that I took her home for some reason after a school event or something, and he was there, that guy, wild-eyed and high out of his mind. We tried to get her to kick him out or to come stay with us for a while, but she wouldn't. His problem wasn't that bad, she told us. It was just a stress reliever. We stopped arguing when her son was left at our house for days on end because we knew he was safe and he was going to school when he was at our house. And then the phone rang in the middle of the night. If you've ever walked through something like this with a loved one, you know that when you're already on high alert and the phone rings in the middle of the night, your whole being immediately screams with panic and that sinking feeling that you're finally getting that call. It was Colleen, and she needed to be rescued. So I called 911 while Tim drove over in the middle of the night to go get her. Not long later, she and her son were headed back to D.C. to be closer to her parents, to her son's biological father, and to check in to rehab. That was something like five years ago. And I haven't cried harder at another person's wedding than I did last Saturday when I had the honor of officiating Colleen's wedding. Colleen met an incredible guy who is also a recovering addict and has also been clean for years now. They're starting a life and a family together, and it was such a precious and holy celebration to see them married, and to celebrate not just the marriage, but how far they've come both individually and together. And yes, her son is doing great. He's turning 10 soon, and he's one of my favorite people in the whole world to be around. He is certainly a reason to celebrate as well. Because not every story like that turns out with a happy ending. Weddings are a great celebration no matter what, but this one, wow. It was so powerful to see the redemption and the joy in that celebration and to get to know John's friends and family as well who were feeling the same level of joy and celebration that he made it to. 
It was such a powerful celebration that I have just spent half a sermon telling you about the family wedding I went to officiate last weekend. My friends, whoever you are, whatever part you have in that story, go dance. We are called to celebration. The stories are not always so dramatic or deafening as the story from Acts 3. They're not always so dramatic or deafening as the one that I just shared. But we are all, each of the three men in that story, Peter, John, or the lame beggar, at some point in our lives. Some of us tend to play out one of those roles more often than the others, but we all play each of them at least a few times through the course of our lives. Sometimes we are called to stop walking past someone and give them a reason to celebrate. Sometimes we are called to bear witness to the great work that God has done in another person's life and to celebrate with them. And sometimes we are called to find celebration in the midst of, through, on the other end of, or in spite of sorrow, loss, and hardship. As a community, we are called to worship and celebrate together because of the great things that God has done for each person in the community. We usually talk about how the lame man was walking and leaping and praising, but he didn't go into that temple alone after he was healed. He went into the temple with Peter and with John. They all walked in praising God together, even though this moment hadn't really changed Peter or John's lives significantly. They could already walk. And they didn't know this guy, so it's not like his lameness directly affected their lives. And yet, they celebrated with him. Today, as we officially receive new members into our congregation and look forward to even more coming to join our midst in the weeks and months to come, we celebrate. We celebrate what God has done in their lives to bring them to this family We celebrate what God has done for the community, and we celebrate knowing that this is what each of us as members of God's family, whether you are an official member of this congregation or another or none at all, what we are all called to. We are called to this holy work of Christian life and practice. We are called to the ministry of meditation, prayer, fasting, study, simplicity, Solitude, submission, service, confession, worship, guidance, and to celebration. So let us join together in celebration of one another and of this community. Amen.